Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake, Ben and Marcel are back again. Thank you, gentlemen, for not going on holiday before Christmas. Uh, and we have got a hell of a lot to discuss. And we are going to start with what was a uh, an astounding performance over in Samaritz. And it's got to be it's got to be all about Sophia Godje. Uh, we had two downhills and a Super G. Uh, Cortoni took the first downhill, Godje second, Suter third. That was where Godje broke her hand. Then she picked up the victory the following day with nine pins and two plates in her hand that had been uh, put there less than 24 hours before she picks up the win. Stu Hetz back on a podium after three years away. Uh, Kira Vidal in third, Schifrin fourth, and then Schifrin moved up top step of the podium, quality performance in the Super G. Cortoni uh, on a podium again, and then Mira Dolly back on a podium as well. Um, let's go to you, Marcel. What did you make of uh, Samaritz as a whole? I think the first day was not quite so great <laughs> with the conditions, the weather conditions and stuff. But Samaritz is always great for the for the female racers. I think it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful scenery. Um, the track looked all right-ish, quite tricky, I think, on a downhill. I mean, Godja, I don't know what's going on with her. How can you like break your hand, go and have a quick surgery and come back? I hope she's not being drug tested because she would fail that, that's for sure. <laughs> High as a kite the whole time. High as a kite. <laughs> I wonder what they get. Maybe that was the maybe that was the reason why she won. No, <laughs> she just seriously. didn't know what she was doing. She was that's why she was so fluid and so smooth. It's you know what it's so. I, I looked at her hand as well while she was skiing, and she was protecting it too. So she was not even like going on no. full full force. But it's unbelievable. I mean, I think all the other girls were probably like, oh, well, why do we even start? Yeah, it was um, it was pure Hollywood. Uh, ben, uh, we'll get on to your gripes about Samaritz, but uh, have a, have a word about Godja, will you? It was crazy, and like Marcel said, the the first day wasn't wasn't great, and I wasn't sure if they should have been running it, watching it back. It seemed like they really were just trying to make the race happen. They'd already lowered the start, but some of the middle of the course, you could hardly see anything, and it didn't look like they were topping up the blue dye very often. And yeah, it's always hard to tell from tv just how good or bad the light really is in person but just from the skiing and i know we've we've talked about the amount of athletes coming back from long-term injuries and bits and pieces but kind of even suitor was quite backed off yeah it was i only feel like really... she might have checked out she might have checked out for christmas early and i don't know if that's just a cliche because it's a, we're about to have christmas about to have a break she just wasn't at her best where she she didn't look <sighs> aggressive at all just no one did and I think the half of the problem was the the visibility was was that bad and it's you know you you race speed you know it's not easy to go the flat out you're supposed to be going when you can't make out where the rolls in the hill are and granted Samaritz isn't the most undulating obviously it's not like Val Gardena where the men where you've got 75 rollers to contend with oh, you've got a fair but, few rollers there the only thing there you don't have any you don't have anything to help with your visibility there's no, no, there's no tree there's, lines yeah, there's, is there there's yeah. nothing to break up that white and yeah just it just all of the women that we're used to seeing have attacking runs didn't even Ortley was backed off and just everyone looked like they just weren't pushing which is probably why the, the you know uh, results weren't you know particularly impressive from anyone um, and you know that didn't really play any part in in Goggia smashing a hand she just took a, a very Goggia escaline that involved uh, sticking a hand through the base of a gate um, on, on the way down and you know we, we've said it probably a hundred times on this podcast now she is probably the most aggressive of, of any of the female racers and her line generally reflects that and just her confidence to let the skis run in positions where other people don't I mean Gupparami does it sometimes but she seems to kind of switch on and off whereas Godger is always on it's just a case of will she or won't she crash um but yeah it was absolutely incredible um skiing from her how she did it on that second day I, I don't know and they were showing pictures of her hand oh. before she put it in her glove it looked like something from the nutty professor it was so swollen it, yeah, it freaked it, me out it looked it looked like almost one of those like surgery gloves that have been blown up I mean it was so swollen and then did you see it um they cut to it a bit later on where she'd had none of the tape on it. Maybe it might not have been the downhill day, it might have been the Super G day where she had no tape on it. And the size of the scar or the cut, you know, the, the stitching of her on the back of her hand was, uh, I just don't know. I mean, 
Yeah, she was lucky. She talked about it. She was lucky that she, they went from the top on the second day because she wouldn't have been able to do too much pushing. And I think you saw that in the Super G day that she wasn't obviously able to get out of the gate as much. And uh, but in the downhill, she just yes, she didn't sort of get into quite as big angles on was it her left foot? Was it her right? No, it's her left oh, no, right foot. So yeah, right she foot, she didn't have any, you know, so she wasn't close to sort of dragging dragging her knuckles on the ground again or anything like that. But it was just insane she talks about how she was just uh yeah in her post race about how happy she was and she would have been the most happy person on the start list just being able to get into the start gate and race but i just couldn't i just couldn't get over it like surgery 10 day, you know a, t- a few hours 10 hours whatever less than <laughs> less than a day worth of uh, before all those drugs as well, because she would have been, um, I don't know if it would have been a general, but it certainly would have been one of those uh, isolating, uh, like the uh, blocker things that they put in to make sure she didn't feel anything, obviously for surgery, but it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Well, Marcel said she was protecting her hand, but in the Super G, she still burst that shoulder with the taped up hand through a couple of panels. And I was like, just go a tiny bit wider. Like, what is, what is, is it she really can't. worth she, the she risk? She can't, of, she, doesn't, she doesn't know. Of, of getting your hand stuck inside one like we've all done it and you know how painful it is when you do just miscalculate that and you catch your your hand on it not your shoulder um or you go too far inside and have your arm kind of like ripped back on on the gate she like she she is she is actually brilliant and for all of the the dominant shifrin has shown throughout the last you know seven eight years of, of ski racing Gorgia just brings entertainment that that not many other people do on the women's tour. So it is absolutely brilliant um, that she can ski through pretty much anything. Um, I think she did it last year, didn't she? Have quite a bad knee injury that she kind of skied through for a couple of weeks um, as as well. And it's just she just doesn't know how to back off, and it and it's brilliant. Um, I, I don't want to see what she walks like in about five years' time, but um, for now we can just keep enjoying the ski racing. I mean, it's unbelievable. She's she's won twenty World Cup races, and like she literally has an injury about every second month. It's crazy. Yeah, the, uh, you, you, the amount of hits that she's taken physically, and to still picked up twenty World Cup wins. But nuts. it was it, you. You could just see, you know, in the middle part where you have a couple of steep gates. Everyone was struggling there because it was obviously tough conditions. On the second downhill, I'm talking about now, and and she was the only one, maybe bar. Ilka Stuich, who was actually properly skiing there, they're all like backseating down the whole the whole pitch basically, and she was just like skiing down as it wouldn't have been anything. So she's just that much better, really. Yeah, no, she was. It was insane. Ben, I, we we were just talking off air that I was saying how much I enjoy the, <laughs> the Samaritz racing, and you were saying how much you hate the Samaritz racing. But uh, it it was good, wasn't it? I, I, you know, wasn't it or not? I still think it's one of the most boring um, tracks on on the women's tour. Um, You know, we talked how good it is when the women got to race Schladming and when they moved from Maribor to Kranjshagora, predominantly because of snow conditions, but actually getting to see the best in the world on really difficult tracks. I just don't think it's very difficult for them like I think I, I did it last year and I did it again this year like Laura Gubram is at that minute and 30 downhill about a minute of it she's in a tuck and I know obviously she's working in that tuck and a lot of it there's some really cool sweeping turns in there but in terms of a challenge it, it doesn't really look like one in the downhill like the super g obviously the core setter can you know work with the terrain a bit more um but it just it yeah to me it just it like Apart from Godgia, no one else really looks like it's a it's a it's a fun race or an exciting race. Um, obviously, how close people are makes it exciting. Um, and there were a couple of obviously on the first day not being able to see made it um, uh, a bit more kind of not really exciting, but uh, added a bit more danger to it. But when you think of the equivalent of of what we're watching the men go down and what we watch the women doing in. Um, in Canada as well, in, in, mm. in Beaver Creek and places, it's, it, I don't, I don't know, it's just to me, whenever I see it, I'm just like, cool, they just tuck in, they come out of the tuck, there's a jump, <laughs> a couple turns, and they're at the bottom, the end. It's just, it's not exciting. <laughs> yeah. um, so, Marcel, yeah. where, where are you ben, on that? Ben's, re- Ben's recommendation for next year, just blindfold them and say, oh, there you go, now you can find your way down. 
I mean, Stoolhedge probably could. She she loves it there. She's uh she she won the world champs when it was in San Moritz and had other wins there. So it was good to see her back. I was going to ask myself, she had dad secretly waxing her skates because they let her be going mega <laughs> fast. Fair, those ones. To be fair, they were very happy. All of them. Um, the first podium back for Kestler, which is which is a great success. But I do I have to. It's not it's not the greatest races in in some race, but i've skied there myself a couple of times and it is quite challenging there are lots of like rollers and because of the visibility because there's no tree line it does get a bit tricky sometimes and it that's what it obviously did so it's it looks it looks quite boring on tv but it's actually when you ski there it's quite challenging um and it's also quite quick like they're going quite quick down that mountain well if they don't break every second gate or which some do but other than <laughs> that like it was it's pretty good uh let's uh let's move ahead on to the super g where Schifrin um she, well i was gonna say dominated she didn't dominate she only won by 1200 a second in front of cortoni and miradoli uh was in fourth for the french team but Schifrin really does love the super g there i think it's her, her fifth super g victory in sam ritz 77th world cup victory of her career which is again just insane sort of strike rate but Schifrin went sixth in the first downhill fourth in the second downhill uh, and then won the super g she talks about it how normally she goes into samritz and doesn't do the downhills and therefore when she gets to the speed skis she's going really quick and it's a bit of an eye open a bit of a wake-up call for her to get her groove on but here she was quality in both sets of downhills and so then she said when she went into the super g it was a bit a bit of a sort of easier ride of it yeah, I thought uh, the, the notes I'd made was it looked like she was getting to grips with her speed skis. Obviously, she she has focused a lot more on tech in the last couple of years. Um, and clearly that block of training has, has showed a bit, the fact that she kind of grew into the weekend. Um, and, you know, I think she made some comments that uh, said that basically there's, she doesn't think she can beat Godgia the way Godgia is skiing or no one can beat her or something along those lines. And I don't think that's entirely true because we've seen Schifrin when she gets it right on the speed skis can put that absolute ferocious speed down but it was yeah I think like I said obviously with the Super G corset being able to kind of make the mountain more, more challenging I think the, the, the setter actually utilised some of the undulations Marcel talked about really well there are a couple of good gates in there that looked like if you didn't get the line right you could really get thrown offline and and we saw a few people get punished by that and Schifrin just looked like she had it absolutely nailed. I think there were yeah, tw- think- 20 DNFs or something. It was a little ridiculous. A lot of uh, head head gone moments where where the women sort of didn't really realise where they were almost. It kind of looked like they'd come into a roller section and gone, oh, wait a minute, the gate's out, away over there to the left. And I thought it was going straight. <laughs> and honestly, I, I, must, I, I counted, I think, 13 women that decided that just didn't get it right, just went the wrong way. Didn't DNF because their backseat made mistakes. I mean, one of those was was Bacino, who was actually her splits were looking yeah. really good against Schifrin's. Um, and I was thinking, oh, we could have a bit of an upset on here if if Bacino gets it right. And and like you said, she came over one of those rollers and was just the wrong side of the gate and just kind of looked across and was like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's definitely not where I'm supposed to be. That's um, the way but, to the early Christmas break. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, but yeah, there was some there's some interesting bits. I didn't the Austrians didn't have a great speed weekend or in the super g they kind of had like like seven nine and ten they had kind of like a grouping near that top 10 but considering they've been able to pull a podium out in most of the speed uh weekend so far um whether it's hooter or uh, or lieb or, or puckner they, i didn't think they had their, their their best weekend and i think again some of the line choices as a team probably didn't didn't work yeah. out for them you definitely saw them as a team going classic austrian you know straight then more risky just deciding that that's the austrian way is just the straight way yeah that works out really well for them at the moment i have to say <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean marcel you might not know, notice it as an austrian but certainly like racing against the austrians if there was ever somebody that was going to like pick a ridiculous line uh, and sort of decide that that was like the team line. It was the Austrians. They're just like, well, I'm just going straight through here. Or Mr. Bodie Miller. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't like a team decision. That's just random. That's just Bodie. <laughs> that's just Bodie being Bodie, just going, well, I don't give a, I don't give a crap. I'm just going to do what I want to do. But the Austrians <laughs> seem to like team decision. We're going to, everyone's going to fight. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, you know, if like, at least, at least one, one of us will get it right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. 
But if one makes a mistake, fine. If two make the same mistakes in the same corner, well, that's a bit And if even more people do the same thing, I mean, you got to question, you know, what's the information they get. And obviously, in Downhill and Super G, for our listeners, it's very important to get information because, you know, you might be watching it on TV, but it looks def- definitely different on TV than it looks when you go down there. Yeah. They will have like five, six coaches along Every well, not every nation, but most nations will have like. Well, they'll team up where you've got where you've got somebody. Yeah, yeah, and just like give the right information, and obviously, (laughs) clearly that was not working the way it should have been. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you see that quite easy, you know. You see that quite often that teams get it wrong. Yeah, Um, the Italians, the the Italian women did it uh, last time out in um, where are the women race Sestriere, an Italian day of of mind head gone skiing at one point again where they just weren't make they'd obviously decided something in inspection and gone for it which is fine but then when the first two or three make that error they weren't making adjustments you've got to be able to yeah. think on your feet you've got to be able to make adjustments based I mean, on I did, reports. it's a super interesting topic because you get like people like marcel hirscher or probably michaela Schiffen as well you can relate all the information back to them that every coach gives and they will understand exactly like you know which meets they have to turn this and that, like they will yeah. find out, they will find it really easy while you have other races that maybe get like little less information um, where like the physiotherapist on top, who usually has like the radio and who filters the information because there will, a lot of people will talk a lot of things. Um, and some people maybe need less information, um, but you know, the, I think Hirscher and stuff, they were always very good at understanding the whole race course. And it could also have been that someone at the start decided, well, actually, they don't need this information when they probably should have had that information. So it could be could be also that um, it's tricky to say, but all of those are possibilities. Yeah, my coaches did that when the uh, course was largely a toboggan track. They're like, yeah, it's really smooth, Ben, go for it. No, it's <laughs> yeah, going like, to be great. Ben, hurry up, mate. The train's going to leave in five minutes. <laughs> well, like, like you said last week, it was the, just the, uh, the, the uh, like, second run course setters on the side of the slope, just pulling the gates out as you go past. Give me a little <laughs> shoot. Get there's, down there. There's, Come no, on, outside, there's shoot, no outside shoot. gates left. They've all no, the outside gates of, are gone. I thought about that the whole week and I had just had to giggle to myself because it is actually so true. Even in World Cup races, I'm not even joking, I did... I did do my first races when I was like literally dead last. And even there, they were just standing next to this, like, oh, f- it. I just want to get it over and done with. <laughs> and you're like, well, I mean, oh, hello, I'm here in the World Cup race. Help me. <laughs> well, yeah, if you want to start taking some it of the turning gates also, out in this turny also, section, no, what, just let me have a straight do, section. <laughs> you know what they do? They also like, they start like mounting down the whole like starting area. There's like no one bar you and your physiotherapist or yeah. your serviceman. And everyone is like starting to wrap up and you're like, sake like come on give me give me a break here at least let me enjoy it (laughs) proudest moment of my career (laughs) yeah no they'll always that's always going to be the way and it's it's almost a rite of passage i think in your early world cups you've you've got to try and uh, get to the bottom before all the gates are gone yeah when bodie miller comes up bodie miller comes up and tell you it's tough ride today yeah god i can't believe he did that to me i mean not that he cares (laughs) i mean (laughs) He wouldn't care one bit, but it certainly made me care. Oh, yeah, see, yeah, it's really, really difficult. Yeah, thanks, mate. I'm still to go. <laughs> you went down number two. Give me a, give me a break. <laughs> um, before we, before we go off, I think, um, and move on to the uh, the men's competitions over in Val Gardena. Couple of, couple of uh, big results. We we touched on Ilka Stuhetz back from injury. She sort of started bringing some good performances back in late Louise, where I think she picked up two fourths or two top fives at least. Um, and that was pretty special for her to get back on the podium, you know, kickstart, as you said, Marcel, Kessler back on a World Cup podium. Kira Vidal, after a torrid season last year, back on a podium, skied really nicely. Um, and also a bit lower down, a couple of big shout outs. Uh, Isabella Wright from the, the US team. She started right near the back. I can't remember exactly what number, finished in 11th position. And she looks like um, the, the US team of unearthed a quite talented racer i think she's she's sort of i mean it's a it's a sort of big comparison but she did remind me of godger in terms of how she just goes a hundred percent and there isn't any other sort of tactical play and as she gets better in her as she gets sort of deeper into her career i'm sure she'll end up making some tactical adjustments maybe to of when to go full out and when to sort of 
make a couple of changes, which she which she got she got caught out in the super G with a DNF. But yeah, a couple of a couple of big performances I thought from uh, for some guys a bit lower down the order. Yeah, she she did have some good results last year already or the year before I think. She's a bit of a you know it's either a good result or a DNF really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like she's like, great. she's super quick, but then she has like not necessarily the tactical nous just yet. Not yet, no. But um, any other standouts before we move away? No, nothing more for me. No. no. All right. You've been warned. Oh, oh, just quickly, actually, before we go, uh, on, you go. on to the, to the uh, men's, just want to let you know that I am now the highest ranked um, podcaster on the Predictions League. So... Uh, look at how angry Marcel looks. I wish I could like, take a snapshot of how how angry you know, he looks. Right you know now. what? Like I'm, I'm actually going for a different tactic now. I do, I do want to. You don't want to win. No, I, I actually don't want to win anymore because I want to pick people that have a good chance potentially, and then it's like it's like gambling. You know, you if you gamble, you're way more invested in something, and that's why David Ilkas doing. I was so happy when she came third at second. I was ecstatic and that's what i'm gonna do from now on i'm gonna pick people who are having maybe a chance and then hope they hope for the best yeah, but that's what we that's what we normally do you're the one no 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 to... you two is like oh order oh gotcha oh <laughs> this and that blah 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 right i'm just trying to pick i'm trying to pick <laughs> i'm trying to pull up uh the stat that our new stat man uh has been sending in let me just find it. Gareth Harvey sent in a very interesting stat. He said, if you picked Odomat for all the men's and Schifrin for all the women's races, you'd be currently in 36th position, which is higher than both Ben and Marcel. Thanks very much for the shout um, out. <laughs> also, I've never, I've never seen that list. I don't trust it anyway. <laughs> it was on Instagram. It was a story, so it's disappeared now. But you can guarantee the one where I'm above you too is definitely going to be a picture. I did... Uh, <laughs> I did... Uh wonder how many people will have put in something on along the lines of five odomats and and uh three godgias for this weekend just to see how many people just went this is easy uh, <laughs> i was actually i was getting really excited when you said oh i'm the number one podcast and then i thought the actual podcast is the number one but oh yeah it is in my in, in my podcast league as well yeah <laughs> in all the in all the ski racing podcasts the ski racing podcast is the top of the table. Um, it must be. It, well, it, it has to be. It has to be. Uh, anyway, right. Back to, back to the racing. Uh, the men have been racing nonstop since uh, the middle of last week, essentially. Uh, two downhills, one failed Super G, but one Super G, uh, and then two giant slams. Kilda picked up the victory in the second downhill versus against the... Uh, the elder statesman that is Johan Claré, Mattia Cass from Italy, picking up a podium for Italy with Adrian Teo right from the back into fourth. At the opening day on the shortened downhill, Kriegmeier picked up a victory for Austria. Odomat so close to picking up that first downhill World Cup win, 1100s back. Matthias Meyer in third, Claré fourth, and Kilda was down in fifth. Men, gentlemen, what do we reckon? That, that first, the sprint downhill was hilariously close. The entire top 30 were covered by a second, which is just that when you think of how big some of these victory margins can be, mm. uh, that that I thought was was brilliant and it showed some some great racing. And um, I think we were we were messaging in that one when Odomat came down and saw he was in front of Kilda. I, I think he, he thought, I, I must finally have got this downhill win. And with it being a shortened downhill, there probably was a fair amount of, of kind of, it's probably the closest thing to a Super G is going to get. This is this is the one he's going to win. And then uh, Creekmeyer was just like, hold on. <laughs> one moment, <laughs> I please. Thought, I thought the first downhill was a pretty, pretty standard Gruden downhill, wasn't that Volga downhill? Like yeah. people from the back just pushing into the top ten, which is always hilarious there because you just can't be sure that you're gonna get a podium or whatever or a win if you like. I think it's the own it's probably the only World Cup where the person that is winning stays and watches the last person. Normally they're like, you know, off See, no, change, no one, maybe having lunch. But no one starts, no one starts um uh, getting rid of the gates there. No, <laughs> no, maybe, no. The, maybe they do. Maybe that's why uh, Nils Allegra went from 51st to 8 because half the gates <laughs> yeah. were missing, so he just went straight through the middle. <laughs> you know who was actually he was really good in the first downhill, 
and he just crashed sadly. Uh, Hemmetsberger, he was skiing, yeah, and he was like about 0.2 ahead when he crashed or something like that. Yeah, he so was I going, thought, I thought it was a real situation. shame. And Kriegsmeier and I mean, the Austrians had a really good day that day, actually. Thank God for them. Um, yeah, I think uh, Kriegsmeier. He was, I think he was probably a little surprised, but I think it was a brilliant ski. And actually, tactically, I think he made some good moves in and out of Chaslat. I think that whole undulating section where you're doubling rollers and, you know, it is a real super G section on the downhill skis. He made some tactical decisions, I think, of, of, of ways to make sure that when he did land on the backside of rollers that he was you know, able to do it smoothly or that when he was in the air, he sort of moved his trajectory and started it at a different angle before he'd even taken off. And, and I think that was the difference on, on that day for between him and, and actually the rest of the field. I don't think I saw really anybody else making such sort of tactical plays yeah. down there. Uh, it's maybe. interesting with him. With the, he has like, you know, he, I, I, I grew up with him skiing. He's a terrific ski racer. He has like a very nice technique. But this year and last, well, let's say maybe last year and this year, He's like so hot and cold, and the mm. next day he didn't score any points. Like he wins a race and then didn't score any points. So it's, it's quite. It must be quite frustrating for him because he knows that he can win races. Yeah. But then he has like some real duffers in there, which is a, which is a real shame. I wonder whether again because he'd made such a good tactical play in in downhill one, that maybe. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like that might creep that creeps into the psyche, and you wouldn't expect it to to, to creep in and have a, such a huge effect on somebody so experienced, but it kind of looked like, again, he was then trying stuff on the second one because it worked on race one. I don't know if that's actually the case, but sort of what it felt like. It's it's yeah. interesting watch now because you hear the commentators talk about how much planning goes into where people are trying to land when they're trying to absorb rollers, when they're trying to double them and, and those yeah. kind of things. And obviously these are, these are professionals and, and what I think the one that gets talked about most is Foyt's because he just can't seem to get it right there. Yeah. And he's tried so many different things, but how much of it having, did you, did you ski this one Ed, before? Yeah, I race, yeah, it? yeah race how, most how much of this have you just got to on the day kind of go with what's happening? Because if you mess up, three gates higher and you've got a different amount of speed going in you can't go with your original plan because no, otherwise you're think... going to be knuckling off the top of things and, and bits and pieces it just it seems like some like you said like some people almost get in their heads about it and yes you can't go in with no plan because then you'll definitely end up in the nets but at the same time maybe you have like three ex- plans coming into the coming into Chesler. i think at a certain extent you've got to be where you've got to be where you are and you sort of and that's i think quite important across all disciplines because sometimes you could be offline and you've and you've got to arc it out and you sort of see where you are uh, as long as you don't chuck it sideways sometimes it doesn't necessarily matter if you're a couple of meters off the gate where you plan to be and actually the worst thing you can do is is you know chuck everything at trying to get back on the ideal line that you've looked at in inspection but i think with val gardena um the chaslat section is so undulating and and it has such a bearing on where you are. You have to go into that with a plan. You have to go into that entry into Chasla after you know that tucking section after the the camels and then the the uh, left right left and then coming into underneath that banner onto the right foot as you end left foot sorry as you enter Chasla. You have to double that. You've not got enough speed to triple it, and you're going too fast to single it. So you've got to double it, but you've got to be able to to make split second calculation of how quick and how well you did that right footer before to know if you've got a pop press ski off without a press really pop or you know that's that is the key and that's why it tends to be the more experienced athletes that win yes you sit you do get the bananas in from the back that that do well and move up the order but you also it tends to be the guys that have done loads there that are able to read the speed as well and again as you exit chance that on that long left footer which has got two proper rollers and then a third one again if you're going again too quick to do it as a single you're going too slow to do it as a triple so you've again you have to but it's all about trying to figure out just how fast you're going into it and that's the real key i think a lot of i think a lot of people sorry for interrupting but a lot of people had a probably a hard time planning because they were terrible before the chess lot they <laughs> made the same mistake over and over again that talking about getting information 
they did not do what the coaches told them to do because they were all way too straight, way too direct into it, and then they struggled. Yeah, yeah, on the second fair. race specifically. Yeah, I mean, you was I think the speed was pretty decent as well through there this year. Yeah, I, I think it was fascinating how many people made the same mistake. Mm. And one of the teams that looked like they got it quite well was the the Americans, certainly on the on the sprint one. I think they had like five men in the top 30 and it's probably been a while since they did that although they didn't necessarily have one guy in like right in that kind of in the mix in that top five it's like the magic american hill though like yeah it's i don't know what it is about val gardena but the americans in val gardena irrespective of if they're at the sharp end or out the back one of them is going to have the day of their life and I think you could probably look back on, you know, pretty much every season for the last 20 years and you'll be able to see at least one American has had the, the day of their life. Both, both days they had, they had five in the, in the top 30, which is, you know, Sam, pretty, was it pretty, Sam Moore? He was, the, he was the big, the big mover, wasn't he? On the first day, yeah, he was the 38 up to, and then up to joint 10th. Ganong and, and Goldberg had a good second, right? Good second day as well. Yeah. I felt, I, I mean, felt a bit better for um, Bryce Bennett because he had, number one and like obviously with the fresh snow and stuff you just not, knew he, really hey, i was listening to his pre pre uh, race interview and he was like oh i'm still like you know in a good mood like it will be fine you never really know but i mean realistically you know <laughs> that you are buggered and, he, and he also doesn't right. want to be the val gardena man i don't think he really wants to be uh steve nyman in terms of Oh, it's Valgar well, uh, it's going to be Bryce Bennett for the win. So well, if he, well, if he picks up a guy. win, if he picks up a win, it doesn't really matter, does it? No, 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 so, no, no, of course not. And, and, you know, he's going to say the right things about wanting to do everything everywhere. And in that interview that is pre-race, she was like, oh, you must be super happy to come back. You know, you, you love this place <laughs> and, you know, you picked up World Cup win here and you had a podium here and all this sort of stuff. And he was like, yeah, but I've changed my mental attitude and I, this is how I go into all the races and everything I could treat the same and all that sort of stuff. And he just was like, it felt like she was wanting him to be like, you know, chan- channeling his inner Steve Nyman where he was like, absolutely not. I do not want to be like a one resort wonder. I mean, I'd take, a, I'd be, I'd love to be a, be a one resort wonder. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll, take, I'll take anything. Yeah. I'll be so, half a resort wonder. <laughs> just one run ever yeah. that'd be good um do do we need to start worrying about dominic paris yet or do we wait until after bormio because after he bormio. does not look right does he him and i mean the i mean mattia casa on the, on the second day kind of saved the italian team's bacon a bit because they had people falling out the back like it was nobody's business like they none of them could get that right on the first day they didn't really have anyone in the mix um, and yeah, on the on the second day, I think both Ina Hoffer and Paris were out of the points. They weren't even weren't even close to contending. And Marsaglia was out the back as well. It's it's mm. so strange to to see all of them that that far back. So uh, it was a good thing Casa had the the run when he did uh, to kind of uh, bring bring them bring them the podium for the weekend. And uh, kind of a bit like we've talked about with with the Austrians. Sometimes that one podium kind of glosses over the fact that there there might be some problems. Um, because we've had, a, you know, I know we've had a lot of cancellations, but we've had a few speed events, and, and Paris hasn't looked anywhere yet. No, uh, uh, Marcel, uh, what do you what do you think? I, I think we we got to hold judgment until Bormio. I do, but I think, and this sounds terrible because both of them are incredible athletes that I respect a lot. But Foyt and him, it seems that maybe the age has caught on a bit to them. Well, the batons, the batons being passed. I, I, I think, you know, I think it just looks like they're not quite there this year. And they were, besides a couple of races, I think last year was also very tricky for them. Um, it's it's sad to say, but I think it is just it doesn't look quite right. And it looks but maybe even worse for Paris than it does for before it's over. Yeah, how Clary says that not. I mean, Clary, but he's, it's his last season now, you know? So he's like, yeah. Oh, I'll tell you, you what, is it going to be his last season if he becomes world champion and he's picked up podiums in World Cup already this year? Do you think well, that's then, gonna... it, then it really has to be his last season to be like, well, now I really have to stop. Him, and, Te- him and Teo are going to be 50 on the World Cup. They're just To be fair, like, I didn't know that Teo wasn't in the top 30. I told, like, I, I just didn't see that. And that's pretty impressive coming, coming from out of the yeah. top 30. Hopefully, initially for him, not getting quite what he's doing. 
do you think with those guys, the likes of Paris and Foyt, maybe with it being a world champs year and they don't have another Olympic cycle in them, probably, that they're just kind of playing a bit of a longer game and trying to peak for the world champs. So might let the first kind of month of the season get out of the way and, and kind of build in that. Again, a lot of it's been made on commentary that Foyt's had a bit more of a rest this summer and didn't have the same kind of training programmes. He's almost skiing himself into shape for later in the season. Um I don't know. The, you know. It's the only thing I can think of, really, other than they're, they're just not, not maybe, finding the speed this you know, year. Maybe he's like, "Well, I don't really, I don't really gonna fight for the for the globe, so I'm just gonna get myself ready for for the world championship." That could be also maybe, be. maybe for Foyts because Foyts has Foyts has picked. You know, he's won the globe, um, and maybe he goes, "You know what? Does it matter if I will win Val Gardona? Does it matter? No disrespect if I win Lake Louise or Beaver Creek, no." if I win Kitzbühel or if I win Wengen or if I win world champ. So maybe for him, I I can't see that being, I can't see that being the focus for Paris. I just, I can't see him thinking that way. And does he normally do that well in the early season stuff? I don't know that he does. I'm trying to think without scrabbling at at my, uh, my computer here. I don't because didn't he didn't, hadn't he never won in late Louise? some sort of stupid stat where you're like, wait a minute, is that true? And then like he hadn't won in Valgar, he'd not won a down in Valgar Dana. Anyway, he'd not won, he'd not won a load early season. And I think if he does as poorly by his standards uh, at the back end of Bormio, then I think we can talk about how, you know, maybe he's not got it like, you know, maybe he's not there as good as he used to be, but I don't think, you know, that place is his, is, he's like Mr. Bormio. Yeah, let's talk about early retirement after Bormio. Yeah, and I think all this other chat about early retirement for this, like the Austrian guy that talked about it, commentary, <laughs> I'm like, he's 30, they're 32. They're just coming into their own. There's no way that they're not doing another <laughs> Olympic cycle. And also, don't forget, these guys get paid very well, very, very well, in uh, the, the guys at the sharp end. So and can, not, when I see Foyce hanging up his boots, he's creaming off hundreds of thousands of of uh, Swiss francs every year, even if he doesn't win World Cups. The guy's not going anywhere if he's still picking up performances like that. And well, he's also there to teach Odom out every downhill on the circuit and just basically make groom him to like absolutely dominate the I think the they like sitting in a bathtub, like in uh, Cool Runnings, just learning <laughs> tracks. <laughs> I I, I, don't I would know. I don't really think anyone so. needs any of that. <laughs> but um, you would think, though, based on the, the the way that is the downhill tracks are talked about, about how much of it comes with experience, that you would, you know, yes, everyone's got their own style and technique, and Odomat just has, a, like we keep talking about, a touch on his skis that other people don't seem to be able to to either replicate or comprehend. But there's something about the 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 speed tracks that you know, the wisdom of someone who's basically won it all will really teach you a lot. You, you know, you can still take a way more aggressive line than them, but, you know, on a cup, there's probably a few specific turns on the tour where, where Foyts will be able to say, you can do whatever you want in this turn, just yeah, let also, it run this... right out. You don't need to be as high as you think you do. Yeah. You can really let the speed run out the back of the turn. You don't need to be as high as, as everyone talks yeah, but about. Foyts will be doing half like of the downhills with his eyes closed, you know? Yeah. He could certainly sections of it, honestly. But he, yeah. so I think that's probably the difference. Odomat's probably still very much thinking about what's happening. I think you saw that in the in the downhills where he was super good through Chaslat and like the technical stuff. But on the glidey side of things, he worked. He definitely worked some of the terrain too hard, and that's because he's he's doing a load of thinking. I mean, that's my opinion. But I think he's doing a, a lot of thinking about stuff. Whereas somebody like a Foyt, I know that Odomat beat Foyt, but you know, the more experienced guys, I don't think, think. I think it's more, I don't know, instinctive, potentially. What do you reckon, Marcel? Yeah, I agree. Um, Good. I mean, cool. Audemars, no, <laughs> Next. Audemars, yeah, next. Let's, let's, let's move on. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Um, before we do move on, just a quick shout out to the top of the Prediction League. I will put it up later. But Ambrosch uh, Pivak leads the way by a point over Jason Shorter. Ian Finley is down to third. Chris Sutherland fourth uh, with Hexa and Rob Greatbatch. Natasha Drew seventh. Uh, Nick Farrow eighth. Pete Davis ninth. And Eric Freelander is uh, rounding out the top 10 with Audrey Curtis and Tom Garstang. I'll put it on the uh, 
the list. Marcel, some I think fresh, you're... some fresh, some fresh names on that list. Well done. Yeah, Marcel ben, ben, plummeted. Ben who's plummeted. Natasha, who's Natasha Drew, Ben? Where's my girlfriend? Is that the expert in the in the house? In the yeah, family? that's where Ben. That's where Ben gets all his best knowledge. <laughs> what, what we don't see on this on this call is that Ben uh, just gets past notes, past answers to the questions. Just all of a sudden, <laughs> it's just like piece of paper just enters screen enters screen right <laughs> just post it mate he's like natasha i can't read your writing can you make it a bit more clear next time you make me sound like an idiot <laughs> i can do that all by myself <laughs> <laughs> okay on to the the two giant slaloms uh and lucas Broughton picked up a very very stylish victory in the GS, narrowly beating Christofferson to that elusive first podium for Red Bull Van Deer, two hundredths of a second behind his teammate Odomat. A, a massive second run charge in tricky conditions was uh, third, and Pantero fourth. Second day, Odomat back to his best, took the win. Christofferson gave him a good run for his money in second, and Kranich was uh, round out the top three. Um, all in all, what did you think, Ben? I want to go straight to um, the Andorran uh, Verdi's second run uh, on the first day. He had an absolute monster. He about, even took about time. To be fair, he's he's he, been very good he, for a while. He took about eight tenths out of the Odomat, who basically wiped the floor with everyone else on that second run. That's how ridiculous his second run was. It was, it was incredible. Um, and again, it, like the, the hill did cut up both days quite, quite badly. There were some, certainly some sections that looked really bumpy, like even at the top, like first five gates, you saw yeah. people trying to get into the rhythm and, and, and just seeing their feet just bouncing everywhere. Didn't look, didn't look brilliant. Um, so I think it was weird because the, on that first day, the kind of, thought process was that Odomat's really tired from all the racing he's been doing his he legs look really heavy I just thought he didn't look as aggressive as normal I and I thought right. he I thought he just get maybe gave the the um the, the first course just a bit too much respect which yeah. might be kind of which mental is, fatigue which, more than anything else which because barely ever happens I don't think I'm 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 already sicker than talking about them being tired I'm sorry like the program's not changed we've lost races if anything uh, and I'm and I'm bored of it. Like, I don't think he's tired. I mean, you are going to be tired at the bottom of that. It's a minute twenty long. Like he you could be the fittest yeah. bloke on the planet, and you'll still be tired getting to the bottom of it. I don't and think he's tired, and I think it's this the second run he put in and the second day he put in would lead you to believe he's probably got plenty of energy. The way he came out of the gate on the on the second morning did look like he just had a bath in Red Bull though. Um, he was just <laughs> <laughs> so, he went so aggressive on the a second Red day. Bull think, bath. Yeah, uh, I think I think he just uh, probably had so many people say, "Are you tired? Are you tired? You didn't look like you had as much energy." That he just went right. Hold on, here's some energy, yeah. uh, and just went flat out on that second day. But yeah, that that Verdi second round was absolutely incredible. Mister GS, I thought a lot of people looked very uncomfortable, especially today. Yeah, so I it just yeah. it did not look good. I'm not gonna lie. Even Odermatt in the second round, and this is maybe a, maybe a sin saying that, but it just didn't look very good. Um, I felt like I thought Anti Kostelich said the course. <laughs> it was <laughs> terrible. It was nice. Well, it was a probably a quite yeah I don't know a nice course setting if you want to call it that way. But the problem is it was not. I don't think the surface was hard enough for those kind of course settings. It chucked like it chucked up really quickly. Mm. And it's like I watched a lot of racers, basically everyone, me and some, you know, probably the odd five people on Eurosport um, after number 60. So I tried to watch all of them. <laughs> but um, seriously, it did not look good. And it's, yeah, it's it's just a tough hill. Um, it's Is a it as tough? Because I've never skied there, um, even, even as a punter, definitely not as a racer. Um, is it? It doesn't on TV. It doesn't look that difficult. I mean, it obviously it looks, is. But you know is what? It, yeah, they hardly the talk first, about. So you start and then you go to the right down into a steep pitch. I think that's quite tricky that one, because it comes really quickly onto you, and then the next I don't know fifteen gates when you go, it's not very steep there. It's not very difficult, and then you have about eight gates who are difficult, 
they are like a bit steeper and that's when it usually like charters up because everyone drifts mm. and you see like the best people they don't drift and that you don't need to drift there you really don't and but a lot of people still do and that's when it gets really tricky and then it's it's getting quite long by the end of it and then you have the whole flat ahead of you so i think it's it's quite it's a, it's a really difficult yeah it's a difficult race it doesn't it's not necessarily steep but it's it's long and it's dark. Is it dark? Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, it dark, it's yeah. very dark. So the the visibility is usually not great, and it's cold for people in the Finnish area. So I don't know if I would recommend it to go there um, and watch <laughs> it. It's very cold. Um, you know what i I don't. Th- I thought the first runs of both days were pretty boring because of what you said, and the gaps were huge. It was only good if, unless you were in the top four, and then it got impossible for you to get close second run was great obviously because it's a reverse order so all the time the time gaps and stuff play their part and it ends up being really exciting but the first runs i I found both of them tedious because you'd it was already done it was already set you know first day nobody basically outside the 30 certainly i'm not sure what the highest number was in but it was wasn't anybody in the 40s and so it was one of those where you're like it's a point it's pointless yeah, um, I wouldn't say it was boring. It was interesting to watch most people struggle, really. But... You were just, yeah, I mean, that's the narcissist in you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess this is the, the, re- the reverse of what I've been, what I was saying about Sam Ritz in terms of I, I like the challenge. It, I feel like the certainly on the men's side, it didn't help that the surface wasn't as hard as you'd normally expect. Um, and, and like Marcel said, the course sets with the snow being as soft as it was probably didn't help. They probably could have set more in keeping with the, the way the conditions lined up so that more people had a chance. A couple of people made it made it into the second run from the 40s. But you're right, not not many and not the kind of second run charges um, we see. Um, but, yeah, I just you know, like watching the skill set, especially the likes of, the, of Bratton. Yeah, OK, he went down number two, but... He was so pumped up on that first run, yeah. like watching oh, the precision the... with which he can ski. Don't like, get me wrong, the skiing, the skiing on display from the from those early bib numbers was seriously impressive, and that was what was impressive, not the spectacle of of it being a race on the first run for me. Yeah, what? How did you feel on uh, Van Deer Watch this week about the uh, skis? You know, any softer at the tips or not really? Still, still bouncing around a bit. Felt, much felt, for your liking? Uh, um, they, they hand they us over to Marcel. Yeah. They bounce out a lot, but. I thought they looked better oh, though, Marcel. What I do you think, think I think it looked it looked pretty good. And you know, you see like tiny bits when people are starting to hook under the gate, you know it's very difficult. And you saw a lot of them doing that. I thought Christopherson was skiing actually really well, but I still think on those long runs when it's getting a bit tricky and tough, I think he's maybe just using a bit more energy than Odomat. Odomat looks like his skis are very like, you know, they're very flat on the ground. He doesn't have to do too much. Hmm. while Christofferson really has to work them. But I think it looked a lot better than last week. And that's what I thought. I think Valdezere might be their, you know, the, the worst one for them. And it looked a lot better. And I I, I was actually hoping to see him win. Yeah, me Especially too, because I had him I had him on my prediction for the second day. But other than that, I think he was it was a good weekend for them and Master Hitch must be delighted. I mean it's a new ski brand, you know. It's not like they're been around for hundred years. Well, that's what we said about. That's what we were saying. I think every single race is, you know, is mega, 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 mega data. They are, you know, they're collating stuff that they are using every single time. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's a, a, a different ski. They've made some adjustments and picked a different model that is able to deal with the more rough conditions. And it certainly looked like he had an easier time of it on those skis. I think still, like Marcel said, I think the, he's definitely working seriously hard, seriously hard to keep them under control. Um, but it looks like he's starting to find some sort of like a plateau where he can work from and sort of get a good, like a decent base line so that he can then charge it on as what That's sort of what it felt like for me. Um, but I also think the best thing about the weekend is um would have been actually owed about not on a podium because i think a little bit of spice and something else going on Bratton skied immensely um and christopherson yeah like i say i was gutted about that first race because i thought it was gonna i thought it was gonna go go his way uh, and then you know pantero making some steps again we see are we seeing glimpses of the guy back towards he's still he's still too far behind he's 
his hips very much on the, on the back seat yes they do and that was firstly it's gonna cost you a lot of like power doing yeah. that over the course of a like a one minute 20 track i think when he was at his best he was definitely more leveled up with his hips he's just a bit too far behind i think he was he did better but to you know beat Odoma or Christopherson, I think he needs to he needs to move more forward than backward, I guess. But uh, who am I to judge? I don't know. I haven't got a clue. You're the expert, Marcel. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> no, I think you know. I think I think there was some good skiing. Some people had. I thought uh, Alexander Schmidt had a great second run today. Um, well, at least he made it to the finish and done a good <laughs> result. <laughs> which is but i find him i find him fascinating because he just doesn't know how to stop you know people drift and stuff but he just doesn't i mean he occasionally then has to like throw in like a, a real spanner but other than that he just doesn't know how to stop which i really like and if you look at it, his technique it's not like the nicest to, to look at but i think it's super quick because he's skis always pointing down the hill hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of him actually ben what, what is your take on any of that I was just scrolling through results, mate. Um, <laughs> um, but no, like Schmidt, Schmidt is good. And, and like Marcel was saying, it's, it's one of those things you, you feel like it's going to take a slightly easier hill for him to really break through because of that, having them completely on, on, on rails or refusing to, to put any kind of check in the turn or drift or anything. It's going to be so hard for him to keep the speed the whole way down on, on tracks, especially when it's getting bouncy. But uh, yeah, like it's, it's good. I mean, a couple of really solid results from him. Pantro was solid. The, the Austrians didn't quite hit the, the top, but Schwartz and Feller both kind of showed glimpses. Um, obviously the, the likes of Bren Steiner and that are coming, coming back from, from even more injuries. It seems like the entire Austrian racing nation seems to just be forlorn with injuries the whole time. But um, it, I I probably enjoyed it a bit more than 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 you did um, uh, by the sounds of it, Ed. No, I did. Um, I, I thought... did. I, I did enjoy it, but I just. I mean, I didn't enjoy first the first run. I enjoyed the skill of the early guys, and then I got bored watching it as a race. I found it boring. Second run, not boring at all. Thought it was good. Yeah, but do you find anything boring, bar a downhill? So <laughs> just the tuck fest. Stick stick them on the tuck, and that'll be fine. Keeps me happy. Simple, you see. Um, <laughs> a simple man. Simple, right there. Simple man, simple pleasures. Just like to tuck. Yeah, like you were saying with, with Odomat, and uh, it almost nearly good him not being on a podium. Like he's already nearly up towards three hundred point lead in the overall. Well, he's he won is... it. Like, let's be honest, he's won. Well, it. yeah, like especially like let's let's be very realistic here. And I said that in our group chat. Like, if he's gonna pick up another two hundred points or something, he's gonna win it anyway. And he's he won it. Good for him. But also, also, yeah, I think he, he's definitely won it on outright. But then Kilder going, coming to the thing, DNFing, where actually he could have stayed in and was potentially going to be right around the back of the thirty, and then second, and then second day she go, no, do you know what? I'm going to go hang out with Schifrin. Uh, not interested. You know, I think that says it. That says that he, for me, that he's chucked the towel in on the overall already, and he's not. He's yeah, I don't. I don't think he. I don't think there's any chance for it. I don't think he's got any belief. No, um, which I is, think Kill is... Kill should just work, focus on down and Super G. Win yeah, those yeah. two, you know, globes, get a world championship, gold medal, and then you know what, who, what, whatever. I think the times of people winning the overall World Cup bar Odoma are gone. I'm not gonna lie. Do Do you, do you reckon possibly? Do you reckon Marcel in a couple years, if if Broughton carries on on his trajectory, no. if he then moves into Super G, so he's obviously got the slaloms and, and as we've seen, can challenge in the GSs. And then uh, Odomat's obviously got the, at that point, we'll have the downhill but Super he, they, Gs and they, GSs. All of the, they have to get so much more consistent. They are not consistent at all. Um, they, they win races and stuff. I get it. But, you know, Odomat barely has like any DNFs. And in downhill and Super G, you don't really DNF anyway. Well, if you do, you have a problem. Slaloms, we saw that last year. There's a good result at DNF, a good result at DNF, a good result at DNF. It's like, if they want to win it, they would have to be very consistent. And sadly for Christopherson, he doesn't do any Super G, and he's not really on point in Slalom NGS as well at the moment. So I don't see anything anything taking Odoma off the throne bar himself. If he you know, crashes or gets injured or whatever. I think that's the only thing that can avoid Pantra, being like... gets his hips forward. 
No, not even him. Like, let's be honest. Like, let's, you know, there, there are so many downhills as well. I mean, there are lots of slaloms too, but I think it's harder to consistently win at a slalom than a downhill. Yeah. Or be at least on a podium. Yeah. There's more, there's more, ta- there's more talent across. You know, if you look at, we talked about it last week, didn't we? The, in a slalom, which we're going to get onto in a minute of trying to pick a winner, you easily 15, potentially even 20 guys that can win. You look at a downhill list and you've got, four five maybe max potential winners yeah sure podium spots is obviously a bit more wide open but it, it, the slalom program's so brutal and there's so many good guys that i mean if if the person that's going to target odomat who's going to who's going to be able to match odomat is somebody that's going to be doing the same disciplines as him not slalom because there's just too many players and i think i think kilda could and i think if kilda wanted to he would obviously need to train way more gs but he's still He's still pretty quick in GS. I'd love to have seen him um, have another shot at it. But yeah, he's obviously just decided that's enough's enough. And he's got a tricky, you know, Bormio's mental and all that sort of stuff. And, and that's not what's important. Overall, is not important to him at this stage. He's, you know, I think that's now clear. Where All the chat about, oh, is he going to, who's it going to be? It's not that at all anymore. You're right. It's just, it's just, it's just, man. Um, speaking of the slalomers, uh, did you see, I think it was, been out, so I think I sent you the uh, the uh, video fist put up of him doing the GS today, where he straddled and spiraled out. No, I didn't um, see I, it. Did I? Is it was it Vinazzo? It was one of the Italian guys who was starting in the fifties. He's he's normally a slalom skier. I, I think I sent you that. I think it was on Instagram. Fist put put, put it out, or he or Vinazzo put it out, and it was just yeah, him kind of straddling and spinning around and so he's, can't so he's wheel not, enough. So it's not going to be on your list of victors for uh, for Thursday. I mean, he, he he probably wouldn't be just because his approach is very much <laughs> all or nothing at the best of times. And uh, in, in, sl- in Slalomy, that line is so much finer um, that his approach is, is unlikely to get him down. Well, let's, let's move on. Let's move on to the predictions for Thursday evening's Madonna Slalom. Last race pre-Christmas. Um, certainly a slalom that I love. I love that hill. I love watching it. Night Slalom's... I don't know. They just work so well on TV as well, don't they? I think they're they're epic. Um, and what are you guys expecting from that? What are you hoping for? What's the chat? Greatness. Hoping for greatness. Good. Again, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your input. Um, Dave Wynn. Let's have it. Dave Wynn. Uh, we lovely. But he, d- he does. Dave's he does love it. He does love Madonna. He's he does. had some some brilliant results there. What's his issue? What's that? His issue is that his serviceman has done his knee. Oh, oh no. no, it's not good. Yeah, so he did his knee in uh, in um, Val d'Azer. So Dave is without Jai as his serviceman, which is Marcel. Uh, what's your dad up to? Kicking his heels. <laughs> well, his <laughs> his racer is his racer's injured anyway. So exactly, get him over. Just put, we'll put in the call. I've got I've a couple of days of Christmas break as well. Dave, call me. I can do that as well. Marcel <laughs> wants another holiday. <laughs> <laughs> call me. Marcel's travel agent is like jet setting. He, he owns a private plane. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I have like I have a I have a private a private um travel agent. Travel agent. That's it. Yeah, he's he's. In a Ro- he's in a Rolls Royce private plane, doing what he wants. <laughs> oh, you you talk about like nice cars and stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, but not, none of them are mine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm looking. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, one of about a hundred people could win, and one of about a thousand people could get a second run. Uh, it is set to be another spectacle under the lights of uh, of Italy. Ben, I can see you furiously tapping away. Is uh, what you're tapping away of any interest to us, or are you just trying to get ahead of your picks? Just trying to get ahead of my picks. Haven't really put a huge amount of thought into this one as it's normally. Well, you, well, you just picked riding anyway, so. No, I said I want a Dave Wynn. I was going to say that's my prediction, especially now I know that he's surfaced. He's uh, without <laughs> service, man. That's even worse. What do you think? Um, who is you going? Who is going? Uh, who would like to go first? Marcel, would you like to kick I us go off? for Christofferson. You're going to go Christofferson victory. Um, Benjamin? 
I should, yeah, looking at uh, previous winners, Christofferson's in there. Uh, Yule's won this one a couple of times. Could be interesting. Mm. Um, he started the season looking a bit more like his old self. Um, so rather than saying Noel and having him ski out again, I might actually go with Yule. So sorry if I've just cursed you, Dan. Okay, that's one D, one D Gruber for Ben. De Gruber. So one Raposo, one De Gruber. Uh, <laughs> and who are you who are you going for? One Martin, one Martin on your skis. Uh, Odomat. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going for Odomat again. Yeah. Um, no, uh, Joe, I'm I'm a, a, a torn again. I would love to say Jakobsen, but Jakob, I've just looked up. Jakobsen is um, outside the top fifteen. He's going to start unless. Somebody decides what, not to start. Start like seventeen. What's Jakobsen's record in uh, in Madonna? It's probably like zero out of seven. Or something. It was second. <laughs> it was second last. It was second last year, actually. Oh, he was actually. Uh, <laughs> so he skied out the other six times, <laughs> and, he, and then he DNF'd a lot after that. But yes, yeah, so thank you. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Stroltz. I think Johannes Stroltz might be. Yeah, a, good shot. Just look, you're, you, Marcel. You looked horrified, like I'd like I'd picked Raposo. <laughs> you just, you just, you just jinx Nostrian. I don't like that. Marcel, <laughs> um, oh, so what's the word on um, Manny Feller's back? There was a lot of chat about it being bad again. Is it? I, I, you probably have to ask. I don't know the Eurosport commentators. I guess I don't. I haven't. Heard I'm asking anything. an Austrian. He might have more of an idea. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't heard anything. I don't know. Um, it was nothing on the news. I checked it today. Um. Yeah, I know that's a kind of historical I issue mean, he's had, but it was like, weird that it came out before that yeah. weekend. I think it's like you know he always has a bit of back pain, but he will he will fight through it. He's a he's a gotcha as well. I mean, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Austrians do because Schwartz is starting to look like his old self. Like he's had a couple, he's had a couple good results in GS, but obviously yeah. just the the extra like I guess quickness you need in in slalom and, and kind of the speed of, of of kind of getting onto that new turn. Just that bit, bit harder. Uh, what a f- fella said before racing yesterday. He said he didn't have a good training last week after Valdezer because of back problems. Um, but if I'm here, it's because I feel fit to start. Basically, so he's obviously got some niggles. Uh, and and I think you'd struggle to name a tech race, especially a GS skier that doesn't have a bad back at points during a winter. So let's hope it's nothing more than just. Um, sort of sta- standard I mean if that's yeah. possible standard back GS back pain yeah what do we reckon um, Madonna's normally one where you can get some people uh, coming through from from higher numbers we think this Laurie and Billy might be able to uh, send one down and, and, and get in under the lights Laurie looked pretty good though, didn't he before he DNF'd at, um, last time out didn't he but, yeah. yeah I don't know um, any Marcel have you got anybody that you did say at the start of this that you were going to go, you were going to start picking a bit more with your heart. Have you got anybody outside of maybe the top group that you, if they beat your pick of Christofferson, you would be quite pleased to see happen? Kastlinger. Who? Is it Kastlinger? Isn't that the, isn't Italian, that? The, guy, the, the, Italian, the Italian guy? Italian. Oh, yeah. Uh, the guy that smashed it in in Val d'Azur and like, sat yeah. in the leader's chair for ages. Yeah. Him. Or Ben, what about you? What You know, your one victor that, that you'd be okay with happening. Oh, I mean, there's there's loads. I'd be I'd be I'd be happy with. Um, I want to see some uh, some because Popov's always quite a good one. Although I, I feel he works better on the steeper hills. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, do you expect to see anything from Italians on home snow? Are we going to see old um, what's his chops? Uh, we just Vinazza. talked about Vinazza finding a finish line. I mean, he's changed kit as well, right? Um, so they were talking he's in the last race now, that he? he's still kind of getting to grips with it um, and, and those kind of things. But they've got, they've got a few. So they've got the counselling that, that Marcel mentioned and Tommaso Salah's not bad. Um, Stefano Gross for the, you know, the old boys um, uh, brigade. So there's there's a few people in there that could could do something, I think, for the Italians. I don't know where we'll necessarily get a podium. Yeah, yeah, I I would love to see Vinazza do it. I think he's he's just 
super inconsistent. Maybe, yeah, those Atomics have taken him some time to get used to, but yeah, plenty of guys have made the switch. Yeah, for me, it's got to be Jakobsen. I'd love to see Jakobsen back up. He's, he's seriously talented. And I thought, actually, he looked really solid um, last time out in Valdezere, considering how hard Valdezere was. I thought he actually looked... He didn't look like he was about to come out every second gate. No, it's kind of every like fifth or sixth gate. Um, but yeah, it wasn't every second gate. I, I think I remember saying as he pushed out the start, I was like, this is going to be, uh, I'll give him like 15 gates max. And I think at about 12, he had his first big wobble. Uh, and then from then on, actually looked quite good. So I was like, oh, I nearly got it right. But then he uh, got it all the way to the finish. Too harsh, too harsh. Um, cool. Nice one, Ben. Yeah, I'd love to see the Brits getting a second run. Dave has got his issues with his service, but let's see if uh, they can find their way through he's said he's feeling good he's looking forward to it and billy and laurie have um yeah billy didn't obviously do a great showing he came out quite early on didn't he with uh in valdezer but laurie certainly looked like he had he had the speed in valdezer to get himself into a second run but just didn't quite have the legs to make it through those last couple of turns uh, and get to the finish wasn't it so we will see uh, so ben marcel gentlemen thank you very much and until next time Bye for now.